32. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father said to him, Father, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a single goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Hi everyone, uh, my name's Matt, sorry about the delay, I forgot my drink bottle. Last time I preached my mouth got so dry and I couldn't relieve the dryness with some water but uh, because I left it back there but I remember this time so hopefully that's better. Um, uh, yeah, so we're going to have a look at this passage tonight, uh, we need God's help because uh, we're a bit simple. God speaks clearly to us in the Bible but we're hard to understand well, it's hard for us to understand him sometimes, so we need his help. So let me pray. 
Almighty Father, we thank you for your word to us. We pray that you would help us to hear you speak clearly. We pray that uh, we would embrace your love for the lost and make that our love too. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Some of you may know that uh, I was in the army. For those who don't know, I used to be in the army. Um, And when I was doing infantry training, we had a week of live fire shooting. It was quite fun. Um, and we'd just finished a shoot, we'd uh, all gathered together, and one of the instructors asked us to leave our ammunition in our pouches so that uh, he could show us something later on. So we did, and then about a minute later, I did something really stupid, and I, to this day, I don't know why I did it, but uh, I asked a more senior instructor if we needed our ammunition later, and he said no, and because he was more senior than the other guy, we had to put it back in the box. Uh, anyway, the first instructor heard this and he went ballistic, uh, no pun intended, uh, because someone, uh, yeah, because he accused me of being selfish and undermining him and being deceptive and not being a team player and he was all using all kinds of uh, very colourful uh, and terrible language and I was pretty offended and shocked by it all because I always thought of myself as a team player but uh, the more I thought about it, the more he was right even though it wasn't deliberate and malicious, I had uh, thoughtlessly undermined him and caused problems for the rest of the guys. And it took these harsh offensive words for me to see that I needed to change. For the next two months of the course, I tried to make sure I was thinking about the team and doing the best things for them. This instructor barely spoke to me for the next two months, uh, but that was okay. Yeah. Uh, At some point tonight, you may be offended by what Jesus says because uh, he's pretty offensive. Um, But what he says is true. And if it makes us feel uncomfortable, uh, we ought to consider whether Jesus is speaking true things about us. And now, as a bit of context uh, for this chapter, um, in the first couple of verses, Jesus is uh, accused by Pharisees and teachers of the law as eating with uh, tax collectors and sinners. He welcomes sinners and eats with them, they say in verse 2. And this eating with them is uh, giving approval to whatever lifestyle they're engaged in. Uh, Sinners in Luke's gospel seem to mean uh, people like prostitutes and tax collectors. Tax collectors are bad because they are traitors. They've betrayed the Jewish nation. They're working with the occupying Romans, taking taxes from the Jews, skimming a bit off giving the rest of the Romans. Um, and uh, there's a few stories of Jesus um, interacting with prostitutes as well in Luke's Gospel. And so by eating with them, the Pharisees are saying, this guy's approving of this, uh, this immoral lifestyle. And so to defend his ministry and defend his actions, Jesus tells uh, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. Oops. Yeah, it's really funny, Shell. Really funny. Uh, and uh, each of these three parables make it clear that in no way is Jesus approving of uh, this behaviour, but um, presents it as quite hopeless uh, and in need of rescue. And uh, so we'll turn our attention to the parable of the lost son. Uh, and the first point is that uh, is to not embrace a lost cause. Don't embrace a lost cause. 
the two brothers, the younger brother, is representative of these uh, uh, tax collectors and sinners, the disreputable people. The older brother represents the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the really religious people. They're really upstanding. They're really moral. They uh, reckon they're doing a pretty good job of doing what God wants and uh, that they should be duly rewarded for it. Uh, the tax collectors and sinners, they're, they're involved in uh, terrible things, just wasting their lives. And uh, they're people that we wouldn't have pity on, I don't think, if we encountered them. And the father in the story represents God the Father. Now, initially, the two brothers seem quite different. One asks his dad for what he'd get if his dad died, uh, saying in so many words that he wished his dad was dead. Um, And the other just keeps doing his work. But it seems actually that they're quite alike because they treat their father the same way. They both want their father's stuff. Uh, The younger son just asks for it straight out. But the older brother goes about getting it a different way. He works for it uh, slavishly. And they just want to do with their dad's stuff whatever they want. The younger one goes off and lives wildly and the other one wants to party with his friends. So they both treat their dad pretty poorly as one who just gives them stuff. And uh, far from approving of the behaviour of these these brothers, Jesus presents both of them as in a condition of hopelessness. They're both lost. The younger one, he's gone to a far-off country and uh, he's still far away when his father sees him. He's distant from the father. He's removed from him. And the same with the older brother in verse 28. The father has to go out to the older brother. So they're both lost. Both the religious people are lost both as well as the irreligious people. And when the father goes out to the older brother, he refuses to come in, even though his father implores him to. And this same lostness, this same distance from God the Father has been with humanity since Uh, nearly the beginning. If you've uh, read the Bible before, in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis being the first book of the Bible, uh, you read about humans getting off on the wrong foot. They use what God's given them wrongly. God gave them a fruit to look at and touch, but not to eat. And they decided that God was depriving them of good stuff and decided they were going to eat it anyway. Disorder followed, the result being that God banished them from his presence and that They were under the penalty of death. So they're not treating God as they ought. And uh, it's like if you hosted a party and invited loads of people, loads of your friends, but uh, no one came and talked to you. No one spoke to you the whole night. And uh, in all the time that you had not talking to people, you noticed two groups of people emerged. There were those who were eating and drinking and enjoying themselves, but not talking to you. And then there was another group who were washing the dishes and doing laundry and sweeping up mess and tidying the plastics drawer and uh, eating and drinking too, still uh, not engaging with you at all. Now, you wouldn't consider that appropriate. You would consider that extremely rude and uh, quite shameful. Maybe if you're a single man, you're thinking that mute cleaners who you just need to feed sounds like a pretty good deal and you'd be happy for them to come over every now and then. 
whether you're trying to get God's good things by good behavior, by religious morality, or whether you're, you reject religion in favor of one of your own making, Jesus is saying both spring from a false picture of God. And Jesus says that both leave you lost and separated from God. So tonight would perhaps be a good night to take stock of who you consider God to be and what your relationship to him is. Are you trying to earn his favour? Are you completely ignoring anything possibly connected to him? Are you lost? If so, this passage presents great hope for you. And I'm sure if uh, you've been at Wollongong Baptist for a while, uh, you'll acknowledge that uh, from time to time we all slip into thinking that by doing the right things that uh, we deserve particular responses from God. We think, oh, you know, God will hear me when I pray today because, uh, yeah, I've been a good Christian. I've been reading my Bible uh, pretty regularly. Or that we uh, deserve a few uh, weeks, a few easy weeks from God because we've been at church every week for the last six weeks. It's this same kind of uh, religious thinking that Jesus describes here as belonging to lost people. But if you're a Christian, then you're not a lost person. And so we ought not to think like that anymore. So if you notice yourself thinking uh, in these patterns, thinking that uh, God ought to give you something good because you've been a good Christian, then uh, remember that your relationship with God doesn't depend on how well you can do the Christian things. And that's a good thing because we can't do them very well or very consistently most of the time. We have a right relationship with God because he embraces lost sinners like you and me. And that's point number two, God embraces the lost. The youngest sibling separates himself from his older brother by demonstrating genuine repentance. And repentance is a Bible word for changing your thinking. It's to think the opposite of what you thought before, a complete 180. And in verse 17, the younger son knows that he's wrong. He knows that uh, he's uh, completely disgraced his father. He says that he's sinned against heaven and against him. And in his speech, in verses 17 to 19, he doesn't presume uh, anything. He doesn't explain that he, why he deserves to be treated as a legitimate son again. He doesn't try and explain away what he's done with the money. He thinks only to beg for his father's mercy and to be treated as a servant. If you read the rest of Luke 15 at home, you'll notice that the two other parables about finding lost things don't include repentance. There's a parable about a lost sheep and one about a lost coin. And if you know anything about sheep or coins, you'll know that they're not able to change their mind because, because they can't. Uh, and, but Jesus includes a story about repentance here. Well, why? Uh, I think he does it to show that uh, repentance is necessary. We can't save ourselves and we need to acknowledge that before God and we need to acknowledge that we were wrong. When uh, presented with the reality of our hopeless situation, we've got to come to our senses and turn back. Now, the older brother's response is the opposite, isn't it? If you look at verse 28, he becomes angry when he sees his father welcoming his uh, dissolute brother and he refuses to go in. And when his father comes to the older brother, he can't help but spew out all the reasons why he deserves better treatment. 
because he's slaved so hard and he's never disobeyed him and he's never been given the opportunity to celebrate. He's so proud. And yet, the attitude of the father is the same for both sons. He wants them to enjoy a right relationship with him. He goes out to both. In the younger son, he runs out to him while he's still still a long way off. Have a look at verses 22 to 24. And when he sees his son, he says, the father says to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father here treats his repentant son as if he was a favoured son, not a disgraced son. He clothes his son with signs of his favour, with rings and sandals and robes, and they get the, the best beast and kill it for the party. He welcomes the, the repentant younger son, and he implores the older brother to come in. God welcomes the repentant sinner. He embraces the lost person who's been found. And further on in Luke's gospel, in uh, chapter 19, verse 10, Luke records the reason that Jesus came, the whole point of his coming was to seek and save the lost. And Jesus embraced this agenda of God's and it took him to the cross. The debt debt that we owed, the judgment of death upon us, Jesus paid by dying in our place. By dying on the cross, he took the full force of God's justice on himself so that forgiveness and pardon might be available to us, to disgraceful sons. And God accepted this sacrificial death and raised Jesus from the dead. Now our sins can be forgiven through Jesus' death and we can make a fresh start with God. No longer as rebels, as disgraceful people, as lost people, but as members of his family. He died so that lost people might know God the Father as a loving Father. So they might know how he treats legitimate children. Sorry, so they might know how he treats as legitimate children all those who turn to him. And God did this because he loves lost people there's no better god than the god of the bible he doesn't scold those who come who've confessed that they misunderstood him and want to know him rightly he welcomes them with open arms it's hard for us to grasp this i imagine when we read if you have a look at verse 20 you kind of expected it to go something like this when he was still a long way off the father saw him and was filled with judgment of him, and, and he ran to his son and threw him on the ground and asked him, have you learned your lesson? Your mother and I have been worried half to death. What did you do with the money? Don't just expect to come home like nothing happened. You'll sleep outside until we've decided what to do with you. That's kind of the response from the father that we'd expect, wouldn't it? But God welcomes lost people back with open arms because in Jesus, God the Son, He bore the infinite cost of our shame on himself. And now if you are a a son whom God has embraced and welcomed back, then enjoy that. Enjoy having God treat you as a legitimate son. And one of the clearest ways that we can enjoy our sonship is uh, through praying. Did you know that your prayers are heard because you've been adopted into Jesus' family by his death? By the death of the perfect son, Jesus. 
God doesn't hear us pray because, you know, we've been a good Christian for the last month or uh, because, uh, you know, we've prayed yesterday and the day before. It's really good that uh, God embraces us. And you can see uh, in the parable the father's whole attitude is about welcoming the lost son home again. He was looking for him. In, uh, in verse 20, we're meant to understand that because the, the father can see the son from a long way off, he was looking for him and waiting for him to come home. So the whole our attitude of God, God's whole agenda is about saving the lost. And if we're legitimate sons, we ought to enjoy that. Point number three is embrace God's agenda. Embrace God's agenda. Now, we aren't told the response of the elder brother. I think for a couple of reasons. Uh, The Pharisees make an appearance at the beginning of this chapter and uh, here in the presence of the elder brother at the end. And I think... What Jesus was doing, he was not only defending why he's hanging out with these uh, disreputable people, but he's also showing the Pharisees, the religious people, the deeply religious, how lost they were and imploring them to come back to God and uh, understand God rightly. And also that uh, of all the people the Pharisees and teachers of the law ought to have known the Bible the best and have seen that throughout the ages God's whole attitude is about saving the lost and so they should get on board with that. So God's whole agenda is about saving the lost and what does it lead to when the lost things are found? It leads to joy. It leads to great rejoicing. In each of the three parables, Uh, in Luke 15, and I I hope you read the rest of Luke 15 at home, there is great joy and rejoicing over finding the lost thing. The the shepherd gets his mates together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. The woman who found the coin says, rejoice, I found my coin. The same thing happens here in our parable tonight. The father tells the servants to prepare the party and... uh, The servant says to the older brother, your brother has come, your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Because he heard music and dancing, there was rejoicing going on. Interestingly though, no one goes out looking for joy. The the shepherd, the woman, uh, the father here, they don't think, oh, my life's a bit dreary at the moment. I need to go find some joy and then I'll be happy again. No, they go out and find the thing that was lost and then they know joy. The, the joy they experience is a byproduct of finding the lost. And so we'll know great joy in life if we embrace God's agenda of saving the lost and make it our own agenda. In his defense of his ministry in this chapter, Jesus is entreating the Pharisees to see what God is doing and in, to embrace it. They'd completely missed the boat when it came to knowing God and his desires. The religion they'd come up with was not a religion that helped them understand God. Jesus has presented them with an accurate picture of the grace of God to the lost and of their own lostness and the joy they would find when found by God. But they have to let the truth of God change them. 
I'm doing the uh, aquathon on Australia Day, and uh, that involves swimming 400 metres for me and running three kilometres. Uh, but I'm a terrible swimmer. I'm really awful. And I'm a terrible swimmer because for a long time I've been afraid of drowning. And uh, I was afraid that if I put my head in the water to, you know, blow bubbles, uh, that I would drown. And so for a long time this fear has had a, a hold on me and uh, I've been an awful swimmer because of it. But the truth is that if I put my head in the water and blow some bubbles and then take my face out of the water to breathe air in, I'm not going to drown. It's so good. It's such a good truth. And, uh, you know, when I believe that and I act on that, then I can swim for a you know, little distance, a few hundred metres, without drowning. And I can do that again. It's really good. And uh, believing this truth makes swimming a lot more enjoyable. Make this year the year that you embrace God's agenda of saving the lost. You know that that's what God's about. He's ready to welcome the repentant sinner home with open arms. The Lord Jesus made it his agenda and he went to the cross so that lost sinners like you and me could know God as father and be treated as legitimate sons. So take hold of it. Pray that God would use you to bring people to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And when you get a chance to share something of the great news of Jesus Christ, go for it. And I'm sure you'll find it enjoyable. You'll think back and go, yeah, that was good. That was good to tell that person that we can be saved from God's wrath through Jesus. How many of us rejoiced when we heard that we had a new brother in Christ after Discover finished? How do we get more of that joy? We don't get it by pursuing joy. We get it by seeking to save the lost. The uh, memory of my instructor yelling at me is uh, still with me. I can see him standing there. Well, it's more like there. He was a really short guy. And pretty angry. Uh, and uh, despite his harsh words, he was right. I'd acted selfishly, uh, though not deliberately. But it took, me, it took his offensive words to help me to see that I'd been wrong. Now, Jesus offends uh, religious people in this passage and people who have rejected traditional religion. Uh, he says that they're both lost, that they've both misunderstood God, that they both need to be saved, that they both need to be found. And despite disgracing him, God is ready to welcome us into his family if we change how we've thought about him and agree with what is true of God. Agree that he's graciously given us all that we have, that we've disgraced him, that we deserve death, but that the Lord Jesus had, has died for us and died in our place, that we might know him as father and that we can be treated as members of God's family. If you think you're still lost, then turn to God tonight. Talk to a trusted Christian friend or uh, one of the pastors here to know more. And if you're found, then embrace God's agenda of saving the lost. Start praying for those Jesus has come to seek and to save. He saved us and he'll save others too. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are a God who embraces repentant sinners like us uh, and treats us as legitimate sons because of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We pray tonight that uh, we will take on board 
your agenda, that we'll make it our own, that we will seek to save uh, those of our friends who uh, need to be found. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.